Hello everyone, welcome to the Arsaholics podcast on, uh, bloody hell, what day is it? Honestly, last night was just such a blitz. <laughs> I've, forgot, I've got no concept of what day of the week is. I think it's Thursday. Um, it's it's the day after Chelsea um, at Stamford Bridge, where we won 4-2. I've got Mys with me, who both of us were just fortunate enough, lucky enough. I mean, I don't know, words can't describe it, I suppose, to be there at the game. Uh, Mize, how are you doing? How are you feeling after yesterday? Yeah, man. Still got a massive smile on my face. Um, yeah, I've been buzzing the whole day, really. It's one of those wins when um, obviously it helps that you're there and, um, you know, away games. <clears throat> uh, for those uh, for those people who are lucky enough to get to go to away games, you know, you know, the, the, it's a different kind of uh, experience and vibe and, and feel to, to home games. Not saying it's necessarily better or worse, but, um, you know, when you kind of, when you when you win a game when you win in a match like yesterday's where it's obviously against um, another big team um, which we haven't done very often especially away from home um, uh, and it, and and it being a, a derby as well and a game where we probably didn't expect very much from as well um, uh, and the team really surprised us so yeah like um, basically absolutely ecstatic and like I said you know been very very happy all day re-watching the highlights and the goals and our like video clips that we took um you know uh the, the fans singing and, and everything so yeah delighted uh, you know if, if you're new to the Arsholics podcast and um, one of the things that we like to do is is we do try and sort of bring you some insights on the match day experience um obviously uh that gets a bit samey with regards to you know going to home games you can only do that so often but at the same time you know when it's away games um it's a bit more interesting. It's a little bit more different. So today at Chelsea, you know, I think it's the first time that we've been to Chelsea away since we've started this podcast. It's the first time that I've been to Chelsea away since I was a, a child, literally my first ever Arsenal game. Um, and, and my, you know, it's a very different experience. Obviously you, you unfortunately couldn't make Crystal Palace away um, recently, which is the last game, um, any of the Arsaholics last away game, any of the Arsaholics went to, but um, Crystal Palace away and Chelsea away are very, very different experiences, uh, in, in, you know, with regards to kind of the stadium and the, the away fan experience. Firstly, um, you know, the Crystal Palace away uh, end is restricted viewing. It's absolutely kind of archaic in that way, just really, really old school. But Chelsea, it's quite nice, you know, as an away fan going into Chelsea, wasn't it, Wise? Because it's like you, there's this massive, massive, long sort of police guarded tunnel or steward guarded kind of yeah. tunnel that they make as you, as you go in, um, which is, which is very different to, to palace a couple of, you know, a few weeks ago. Um, and then, and then you sort of, cause, cause we got in pretty early, didn't we? Yeah. We, we, we sort of decided to have some beers there early. It was quite, it was quite a nice experience. wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. Yeah. It was. Yeah. Like you said, we got in, we got in very early actually. I think we, 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 we <laughs> I think when, when we, when we walked in, I think what I said to you was, is there definitely a match happening tonight? Cause there was like hardly anyone there. And um, yeah, normally away games at concourse is absolutely bouncing, but I guess, yeah, we, we got in like an over an hour early. Um, yeah. I mean like, obviously, yeah, like you say, I wasn't at palace. I've been to palace away before. Um, uh, I can imagine uh when when you guys went i guess the result of results from both games it makes a difference to you know how you uh, perceive perceive the experience and the, and the game afterwards um yeah but yeah yeah like you know like in terms of an away day i've done stanford bridge i think once before it was a nil nil draw um and the first time i've sat in the upper tier um and yeah like you say it was it was actually yeah it was nice we had, we had a really good view really good clear view of the pitch and um I think I think the main thing for me, and I'm sure we'll come on to this, is is basically just the away fans, the, the, the fans, upper tier, lower tier, everyone. Um, 
the backing that the team gets from from this set of away fans is um look I, I mean look, I don't know obviously I don't sit with any other away fans right across Premier League teams I don't know if this is kind of like a normal um a normal thing where uh other clubs away fans and away support are, are this vocal and are this kind of passionate and win lose or draw they keep singing but you know, from a from an Arsenal away fans perspective, that's absolutely what we did yesterday, and it's what you hear on TV when you watch us um, play away. Um, and yeah, it's it's it, it that that's the main that's that's kind of like yeah the main thing for me really just how good the away support is and has been, um, especially this season. It's, I'd go as far to say, Miles. I think yesterday at Chelsea, and I know that the, the way the game panned out did have something to do with it. But it's certainly, I feel, one of the, if not the best kind of atmospheres that I've been in within a group of Arsenal fans. Oh, yeah. Maybe the only things that I can think of that compare at, at times during the FA Cup finals, perhaps. But there's something about yesterday, and, and I think it surprised me, Master. I don't know if it surprised you, but it surprised me from the perspective that, you know, we've just lost three games on the bounce. You know, and, and at the beginning of that three-game period, there was this huge air of of belief and optimism and, and togetherness about the Arsenal fan base who all believed that we had something as, as match-going fans. We had something to do with the success because it feels like there was this bond between the team, the, the players, you know, the, the manager, the, the fans. And then this, this kind of three losses kind of happened at this terrible time of the season for it to happen. Three teams that... You know, with, with the greatest respect to those teams, and yes, Palace away is hard, but with the greatest respect to those three teams, you don't expect to lose all three of those games. Yeah. You know, no, no way. And then, and and I think that you'd be forgiven as a fan base, would be forgiven at least to you know go into this Chelsea game, perhaps not bouncing and not as excited, but it really felt from the word go, the fans were right behind the team. The Mikel Arteta chants were in the concourse before the, you know, before the start of the game. This is after three defeats on the bounce. Did, did that surprise you, mate? I don't, you know what? I don't, I don't think it did really surprise me. I was go- I, I like, I, I, I turned up yesterday, not really expecting a result from the team. Um, I thought Chelsea would be a lot better than what they were. Um, and to be honest, I think I predicted would lose, but in terms of um, the reception that the players would get and yeah, like in terms of the, the support. No, I think, I think this season, you know what you've probably seen, and we've we've said it num- a number of times on on this podcast and between ourselves, right? You know the the match going experience, going to home games, um, supporting the team. Like there, there's obviously this kind of um, bond. Uh, maybe, maybe not the right word, but there's obviously something that's grown um, from Arteta taking over and the way he's kind of remolded the the team and the, the the players that he's brought in are very very likable. And obviously, you've got the the youngsters coming through um, and and the academy products that are coming through and kind of smashing it for the first team now. And everything about it is very very likable. And you know, a young manager and people have people have just got on board with that. I think, and I think people have probably you know when I say people, match going fans especially. Um, are, are yeah have got on board with 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 the process and they've they've probably accepted i think we've accepted that there's going to be blips and humps in the road um along the way and there's probably going to be times where this young team does maybe um fall over and it's all about how they've picked themselves up um and i think off the back of that you know you kind of you know like if you take ramsdale as an example you know 
even if he makes, even if he drops a clanger, he's very much loved already by the fan base. You know, he's built, he's mm-hmm. built this rapport and relationship with the fans and, you know, he's very interactive with the fans and that's like, you know, you, you see that at the matches, you see that, um, uh, on, on the TV, it's, it's very, very apparent and very obvious and he's English and, you know, that probably helps as well. So, so I think all of these things have probably contributed to, um, a, a, a somewhat better atmosphere, but I think to be fair, I think to be fair, like away fan, the Arsenal away support has always been really good. Like we've been going for a number of years and like, we don't go to a huge number of away games. We go when we can, but I think whenever we've gone and I'm, I'm thinking back, you know, 10 years or so, but whenever we've gone or I've gone for sure, I think the away support has generally been good. It's always been good. Like, you know, even at the kind of latter stages of, of, of Wenger and, and there was a split fan base then. Um, and even during the Emery era, I think just, just in general, I think the fans go, they like to enjoy themselves. They want to, you know, they want to be entertained. We want to win the game, but even if we don't win, I think, um, I think the fans do their absolute best to, to support the team. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, yesterday was a game that, like you say, I think most fans, most fans probably realistically didn't think we were going to win. I think the, the only reason that some may have thought that was if we cast our memories back over this, um, you know, uh, over last season and in particular, when we played Chelsea home and away last season, we weren't necessarily going through great patches, but we managed to get results last season and, and away at, at Chelsea last season, we changed up our formation. Um, we went three at the back last season, uh, which, which was the first time we went three, in, three at the back for a while at that point. Uh, we gr- we grinded out a one nil. It was a scuffed goal by Emil Smith Rowe that game. But I recall fairly well that game that we were still against the ropes for a lot of it there were a lot of fairly straightforward chances I think Chelsea missed and we rode our luck and yeah we, we had some good performance but it was, it was very much a set up defensively and sort of smash and grab it, it sort of looked like that's what Arteta went for yesterday right he, 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 the the lineup suggested things that we perhaps hadn't seen previously uh you know or at least for a while it looked on the face of it that he was going with either a, a, a straight back four with Ben White at right back and holding and, and Gabrielle in the middle um, or something which could potentially resemble a back three at times with those three centre-backs and potentially with Saka coming in as a wing-back or, or whatever. Um, you know, and, and, and El Elneny coming into the team. El, you know, El Elneny making his random sort of start of the season that he's, he's you know, start, which he sort of seems to have done over the last couple of years. He'll randomly start a game sort of out of nowhere, put in a blinder, um, like he did, you know, against Man United last season away, I believe. Um, and so it was, it was a bit of a surprising lineup, but it was clearly a lineup which it felt that Arteta was going for something quite practical, something perhaps a little bit more defensive. And um, and it was really interesting how the players seemed to really, really sort of, I, I guess, respond to it well and and execute it with a good amount of energy, if not sort of some nerves at the start. Did did it? you know what what did you make of the opening sort of before the first goal those kind of opening exchanges like did you think that the 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 formation sort of sort of worked did you think that the tactics were okay um so i mean the thing is that the, the first goal came pretty early on didn't it was it yeah it's the 13 13 minutes. minutes so i guess we only had like 13 yeah. minutes prior to the first goal to, to assess, assess it right <laughs> yeah, yeah. i felt like it was a fairly even start if anything i thought we looked kind of I'm not sure about the setup. Like I was pretty happy with with the changes he made, and I think it, you know, it, um, it's nice. It, it's nice that he's 
tried or trying different things, even if in the last few games prior to the Chelsea game, it didn't necessarily work. Um, and he's adapting to the opposition and probably more so the the kind of lack of options that we've got in certain positions because of injuries. Um, so I think I was overall pretty happy with with how we set up. And I think I said, you know, I messaged you guys earlier in the day in the morning saying, I think Elneny might come in for this game. And um, obviously he did. And I wouldn't... I, I think I think I think it in hindsight it made complete sense and obviously it worked but um again a, a change that I was pretty happy with. I mean look in terms of how the game started it was a bit it was just a bit of a mental start really like the, the you know it, I'm trying to remember back to the first sort of 10 minutes or so before that goal but my my memory is we seemed to be a little bit sloppy um we lost the ball a few times but trying to trying to play the right way and trying to pass kind of through Chelsea um, yeah. And I remember, I remember the ball being down our end quite a bit, where we, obviously we were defending. Um, but then after the goal went in, the first goal, then like that first half was just like, what the hell is going on? Pretty much, and yeah. it's it's quite. <laughs> I think I think it's quite hard for to to do any sort of like um, tactical analysis on it. But you know, we can try. Yeah, I mean, well, let's not necessarily do it because to be honest, if we were to try and dissect the game in that way, like you know, four two, it was it was just a mental game. We'd be here for for days, and we probably wouldn't come up with anything insightful because it really was that kind of manic sort of game. Um, so, so I mean, if we just focus on some of those individual performances, then right. So Ben White at right back, and and how that kind of interacted with Holding coming in at centre back. What what did you make so generally of the back four's performance? Um, Ben White at right back was he was all right. Um, like I feel like it was one of the, it was a game where he's he's done a job and he's probably put in like a, a six out of ten. I guess you have to factor in it's not his natural position, although he has played there before, right? Not for us, but I think for mm. Brian um, and England. Yeah. Oh, is he for England? Is he really? Yeah. Oh, right. Okay. I, didn't know yeah. that. okay. I, I think the last game for England that he played was right. Oh no way! Never knew that. Okay. Um, but I feel like. I don't know if it was because he was maybe exposed a little bit or left exposed um, or or what it was. I'm not sure. I do I do feel like he he struggled at times. Like obviously for the Chelsea second goal, I think it was the second goal, he gets robbed by Mount and you could debate whether that's a foul or not. Um, still not really clear if that was a foul. I feel like it might have, you know, it could have been given either way and obviously we didn't get it. But um, I feel like there were a couple of occasions where um, he just wasn't really that comfortable um, on the right. Um as say like a Tommy Asu might have been. Um, and I'm not really sure what the reason for that is because obviously he's pretty comfortable carrying the ball. He's good. He's a good passer of the ball. He's got good distribution and, and range. Um, maybe. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not really sure overall though, defensively. Um, I, it, it was an okay defensive performance. Obviously, obviously look, we conceded two goals, right? Um, but I, 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 I do feel like we were, What's the word I'm looking for? We were, um, it, it was just a little bit dodgy at times. Like even, even for our second goal, when, when like, I don't know if you remember what happened before Xhaka like decides to like do a Modric and like, and yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. you know, before that, that kind of interchange of not interchange, but that like little passage of play for like 30 seconds was, was like, we were trying to give Chelsea the ball in our own box. Like, I don't know what we were yes. doing. Um, and there were a few hairy moments. I think hairy moments is probably the right word to describe it, which, and I'm not sure again, like, is that because they're a bit nervous? Is that because we've lost the last few games? Is that because, yeah, we don't have a fully strength, a full strength back four? Not really sure what the reason was, but, um, you know, I think going into the second half defensively, we improved a lot. Like I think I was looking at the stats earlier, like we had something like 
25 plus clearances or something like that. And we only had 30 odd percent of the ball. So obviously we were under the cosh quite a bit. I think once we scored the third goal, you know, Chelsea then came out a little bit, obviously trying to equalize. And, um, you know, you get, you've got players like Rob Holding doing what he, he does, does very, very well, you know, in terms of he, you bring him in and he generally, you know, he does have the tendency to drop mistakes here and there, but generally he is quite dependable, um, especially when it's, uh, you know, um, aerial onslaught from teams. Um, and yeah, and I think I think the other thing is probably worth mentioning. Look, a lot of talk about Lukaku um, for Chelsea this season. You know how he's essentially been a bit of a flop, and um, you know he got subbed off 50, 60 minutes. I don't know what it was, um, but you know didn't. I, can't, I basically can't really think of anything he did the whole game. Um, yeah, and- I remember there was one opportunity that he had where he kind of it was almost like a half chance, but you know a striker of his of his um, say reputation. Mm. Um, is still dangerous from those positions normally. And it was just, he, he just can completely yeah. tame shot that missed the far post. I agree. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, was where you were going with this, that we you kind of nullified him a little bit. Yeah. I think, I think we did. And I feel like, you know, I was listening to, um, whoever it was on Sky Sports, Paul Merson and Jimmy, Floyd, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank absolutely yeah, ripped into him. Yeah. yeah absolutely ripped into him. Um, and look, to be completely honest, I didn't, I, I didn't, I wasn't watching Lukaku that closely. Um, but I think that's the kind of, um, that's the general, uh, feeling that a lot of Chelsea fans and people watching Chelsea have got about Lukaku, right? He's just not really trying as hard as he can. And I think you get that impression from Tuchel as well. When Tuchel gets asked about him, he just sort of, you know, he's, 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 he, I don't think he's particularly yeah. happy with his performances as well. So, um, you know, maybe it was one of those games where, yeah, Lukaku's not, not really, you know, he's already sort of looking forward to the summer and what he's going to be doing. And, and maybe he just wasn't fully focused on this game, which kind of helped us. But yeah, like, yeah, I think, I think defensively we're okay, but there were some hairy moments for sure. It is, it is interesting that I don't want to take anything away from our victory, but, but I did feel that there was a bit of an air of arrogance of, of Chelsea yesterday in the sense that I feel that they never really got out of second, you know, second, two third gear, really two and a half gears basically. And it felt to me like there was this element where they were sort of strutting around the pitch a little bit thinking, well, you know, we are, we're, we're, we're an excellent team. Like I'm sure we'll score. And in fairness to them in the first half, you know, every time we scored, they just went back and scored mm-hmm. an equalizer. So maybe they felt that, they they didn't have to try that hard. It was very confusing, and I, I feel like in a way Lukaku sort of epitomied the approach of Chelsea. Maybe they thought they could just beat us with the quality that they had on the pitch. Um, but but I feel like it was interesting because you know you know, and we'll move on from our defenders in a second. But you know, just going back on to, to holding, it, it felt like we sort of tried to defend in numbers a lot of the time. So a lot of those hairy moments. I think we overcame because actually we just ended up having lots of defenders in the box and lots of, you know, like, and, and Jack or whoever is helping out. And I think we also saw what holding is good at and what he's not in that game. And I think that holding came into his own when we were up three, two, and it was around absorbing the pressure and just kind of, and before that, it felt like he, he probably wasn't that comfortable. And, and I don't know if that affected Ben White a little bit. And Ben White was a bit unsure of how he had to play because did he have to cover holding? But, you know, whatever, I mean, you, could, you could argue that Chelsea's second goal was, um, you know, it was, a, it was a really good goal, but, the you know, good finish by Aspie. But the first goal, the deflection, mm, you know. Anyway, look, moving on from from the um, from our defence, because, you know, again, there's, there's a fair amount to get through today. Let's talk about, Mohamed El Nenny. Um, this guy, you know, for me, Mize, is 
for whatever his limitations are as a footballer, I can't think of a more professional player than I that in 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 memory for Arsenal. Because this guy, you know, he, he was signed from Basel for, you know, not too much money. Um, I believe he was sort of in his early 20s at that time. Um, and he's at some points in his career at Arsenal, he's kind of established himself in the team for for little runs, but largely he's been a squad player. And I've never seen him not smile. I've never seen him go and complain in the press. I've never seen him kick up a fuss. He's only ever looked like a positive influence. Even times where he's not even in the squad, you never hear anything. And when he's asked to start a game, sometimes he's asked to start a game with barely any minutes, even as a sub. I've never seen him not give 120%. And against Chelsea yesterday, I mean, he... He was fantastic. It was almost shades of the Mertesacker performance of that FA Cup final against Chelsea where he sort of came out of nowhere and put in a blind. I mean, well, and then again, I'm pretty sure like he hasn't started a game for a number of months, a number of months. He's barely had any football. He's, he's, what did you think of his yeah, performance? Yeah, I mean, is he, out, think is he out of contract at the... In, in- I think I think he is, mate. I think, you know, he's, he's, he's 29 years old and he's, he's out of contract in the summer, I'm pretty yeah. sure. I mean, and... Yeah. Yeah. No, I was going to say, like, I mean, yeah, I, I um, pretty much concur with everything you've said. Like, have to agree with with all of that. Um, definitely, he's been completely professional. It's a it's a fair point. Never really thought about it, but yeah, he never never does kick up a fuss um, when he's not in the team. And and, and yeah, um, and he seems to be quite likable when you watch some of the, like the training videos and stuff um, uh, on, on on the Arsenal put out. But yeah. Um, he had a, he had a, he had a really him and Jacker like I don't think anyone's really mentioned Jacker either but both of them central midfield like we absolutely yeah dominated dominated central midfield um you know I think with the great thing about El Nene is he's probably a coach's dream like he's probably a manager's dream because you pretty much give him a set of instructions to follow and what to do and what positions to to sort of play in and areas to occupy and who to market, etc. You, you know, you give him those instructions and, and he will just follow it to a T. Like um, he's just that sort of player. Um, and that's pretty, that's pretty much what he, what he did. And um, yeah, it was, they, they were both really dominant, you know, winning battles, winning duels, um, uh, seemed fairly kind of comfortable on the ball. Like, you know, we kind of associate El Nini as a bit of a sideways passer and, um, you know, I think I feel like the whole team gelled quite well. There were occasions where our passing kind of like we were we were trying to play pretty quickly. And I even think for the Chelsea second goal is when we lost we had the ball and we lost it, maybe I can't remember. Yeah. 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 Um but but everyone seemed to sort of be in sync when it came to the passing and El Nenny was a big part of that. And and yeah, man, like I think yeah, everything you said is, is completely accurate. You know, I think I don't know if he was mad at the match or not, maybe it was in Ketia, but he would definitely, you know. Um, fair shout for him to have been man of the match. He he was very very good, very very good. And, and about his midfield partner, because you know since Partey's injury, uh, you know we we saw what happened against Brighton, where we decided to put Jacques at left back and start Sambi in the middle, of, uh, you know, on the park almost on his own or whatever. Um, you know, I think moving Jacko in the back in the middle, in my opinion, is is spot on the right thing to do. Is it actually? At one step further, would would you argue that at this point in time, given Partey's injury and the, the depth of the squad, is Xhaka arguably our most important player right now? <laughs> is he the one that if he gets injured, we have the biggest problem? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, because obviously if it means Lekonga and, and um, 
on any in central midfield, that is not an ideal um, central midfield partnership that you want to go into any game with, uh, really, at the moment, I think. Yeah, as much as we love El Nedi, like, at the yeah, end of the day, yeah, like, that, we know his limitations. Yeah, yeah, and I think Lokonga's still pretty raw and... Um, it's not the kind, you know, this stage of the season, lot to play for. It's not really the kind of situation you want to have that, um, yeah, that midfield pairing. So yeah, pro- probably. I mean, look, there's a there's a couple of players and a couple of areas you could look at and say, oh, if we lose Gabriel from central defence, that's pretty big. But yeah, okay, we've got we've got cover in Rob Holding. If we lost mm. Saka, you could maybe say he's obviously he's massive. Erdegaard's massive. So there's a few players that, I mean, again, you could potentially go without Saka for a couple of games, right? You have got wide options yeah. and attacking options. So yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, I think, I think, um, you know, like Xhaka, it's, it's a funny one with Xhaka, isn't it? Because for all his kind of like um, moments of madness that happen once, twice, three times in a season, he's generally pretty solid. Like he's generally, um, you know, pretty reliable. And, you know, he is... You know, he is a, what you'd probably call a midfield general. Like, I'm not saying he's kind of like Steven Gerrard level, because obviously he's not. Like, not I'm not saying that. But if you were to categorise kind of the type of player he is, you know, he, he loves a battle. He loves a tackle. He has a he has a great left foot. You know, he does misplace a lot of passes, to be fair. But, you know, he can spray passes around. He has a great shot on him. Um, you know, and... Yeah, um, I guess it's probably more like his lack of pace at times that costs him when he has to recover that kind of thing. And even defensively, you know, if, you know, defensively, aerially, he blocked. You know, even I think in the first half yesterday, there was a he put in a really good block where I can't remember who had a shot, but um, it was definitely on target and he blocked it. Um, so, so yeah, yeah. So it's a long, long, long-winded way of asking, answering your question, but yeah, he prob- probably is our most important player at the moment. Well, it was it was a fairly complicated um, and nuanced question, to be fair. Like, and I, I want to spend some time talking about the forwards, but I do want to um, ask you a question that one of our listeners, who's also an arseaholic called Aaron, <laughs> um, asked, which was, you know, he wanted us to answer, answer the question of whether El Nenny's performance means that we go in uh, essentially with El Nenny starting in the central of midfield for the rest of the season, and and you know, has effectively has Sambi lost his place to El Nenny now? Um. So I don't know about the rest of the season. I would say for the United game, which is now tomorrow, no, not tomorrow, day after tomorrow. Um, I would say I would say you go with El Neni again. Um, Me too. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I th- and I think Xhaka and El Neni should dominate. I don't know who United are going to have in midfield because aren't like Fred and McTominay currently injured, and I think Pogba got injured the other day. So it's probably going like, to be like Matic, Matic, and not even sure. Uh, Bruno Fernandes and someone else. Um, but I feel like Xhaka and Elneny could potentially, you know, dominate whoever United do put in midfield. Um, I think following that or, go, you know, looking beyond United, I think it depends. Like if Elneny carries on putting in the sorts of performances that he put in yes- yesterday, then I think it becomes a bit of a no-brainer. Like you go Xhaka, Elneny. Um, I'm not sure Elneny will do that every single game. I'm not saying you'll have bad games, but I think you'll probably just have kind of like average games and then it maybe comes down to, you know, well, is it just, is it working in terms of, are we getting the right results? Um, but I guess Lokonga, like I said, Lokonga's really raw, right? And I feel like he's maybe low on a little bit of confidence. Um, you know, he's kind of been brought in for games where you ha- obviously haven't, we've lost, um, essentially. Um, and he's been taken back out the team and we've won. So he must be pretty low on confidence in general. Um, I feel like when I was watching him in the last couple of games, he was, he just felt like he was a bit scared of making a mistake. 
Um, it's already seen what's happened to Tavares as well, and he's got like slaughtered for 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 his his performance the other day or last week. Um, so so yeah, I think I think I think you know United. Yeah, let's go with Elneny. That would that would be my preference. After that, I would say it probably depends on opposition, and it probably depends on how Elneny's Elneny's playing because this could be like a flash in the pan type of performance or. You know, yeah, it could be. yeah. I mean, we, and we've seen that before. And I, I, I agree with the, the approach that you, you're suggesting we take against United, partly also because one of the things Elneny is always fantastic at doing is just running around with a lot mm. of energy. He's just very energetic. And that's one thing that Man United have been doing really badly, right? Like they're getting criticised mm. day in, day out because they're just not running enough. So, you know, I feel like, you know, perhaps he could, that might, it might be good for him to um, exploit that. Yeah. Um, look, in the interest of time, because I really want to talk to you about Eddie yeah. before I get up to Eddie. And I'm going to ask you to basically just take us through Eddie, uh, you know, just to, I just want to flick through, you know, the, the front, the, the other, the, the other sort of attacking players who played yesterday. So ESR, um, Odegaard and, and, and Saka, I, I personally thought um, as a unit, they were, they were brilliant and did their jobs incredibly well. But even as individuals, I thought Saka went back to playing incredibly well yesterday. I think that there's been some games recently where I felt like, He's, it, it's just not worked out for him uh, as well. I think Crystal Palace was the first game that I, I sort of thought, uh, he's not, you know, is, is it a dip in form? Is there, is it, is there something not right? Are the opposition figuring him out? I, I thought, I thought he had Alonso on, on absolute toast yesterday um, to the point where it, I, I'm surprised it wasn't addressed um, mm. by Chelsea earlier in the game. Uh, and ultimately, like I, I know that he didn't get the assist for the second goal, but a lot of it was because of the work that he was doing on that side. Yeah. Um, and he was, he was, he was going past, he was, he was skinning him, he was putting balls in, you know, I know we can't really uh, have any issues with our striker yesterday getting, we'll talk about it in a second, but there were many times where he's, Saka put very, very dangerous balls in towards the back post. And if you've got a big striker, uh, who it seems like we're trying to go for the type of profile of striker that we're trying to go for, you know, that could have been very dangerous. Maybe that's why Chelsea didn't really bother stopping him because they thought that it wasn't a danger from that perspective. I don't know. Um, and, and just sort of, I just want to touch on ESR as well, who's a guy who I said to you before the game, you know, I was having some concerns about mm. because, you know, felt like, you know, he'd sort of gone out of favour and when he was coming into the team recently, it wasn't the same player as before. I mean, damn, that, that guy had a good game yesterday. The, the goal was beautiful finesse, but there was also that little, do you remember that little, there was a little attempt that I think from where we were sitting, the shot went past the far post. When we were sitting, you, you couldn't really see the intricacy, but I've seen on the replay, the footwork was phenomenal. Oh, do you know which one I'm talking about? The first half? No. Yeah. Uh, it was the first half. Yeah. So, so, you know, like anyway, the point is it, it's nice to have that ESR back, but let me ask you, talk to me about Eddie. Eddie. Talk to me about this guy who we have been, so frustrated with yeah. and you know there's been games he's he's come on and he has made a bit of a difference there's been games that he's come on and you're begging for him to make an impression because lack has not been doing well you want him to score a goal you want him to stake his place yeah. it's not it's not like happened necessarily he started for the first time against Southampton um we have 23 shots on goal against Southampton we score none doesn't do his you know case any 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 better yeah. talk to me about him Yes, they talked to me. Yeah, I mean, I mean, first of all, the, the I mean, look, if we talk about the goals individually, um, 
the first goal, like basically when, when he comes into the team and Lacazette's on the bench, I know, he, I know he had COVID last week. You basically look at what he does and what's he offering different, differently to what Lacazette would offer. Basically the first goal, Lacazette gets no, Lacazette gets nowhere near that in terms of he might chase the ball down the first ball that goes up, goes, you know, goes, um, goes up to, and, and Christensen picks up, but the mount, the, the pace that he shows to get to that, it's a bad back pass, but I, I don't, I didn't realize how fast he was, but it was rapid. Like he completely beats Saar. Uh, and, 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 and the thing I was most impressed about that first goal was obviously like when we were watching it, me and you probably thinking the same thing where we're like, what are you thinking? Oh my God, he's going to miss. He's going to miss. He's going to miss. Like, yeah. it's not, yeah, like, I don't know. It's not like Harry Kane going through on goal. Right. Um, yeah. No disrespect or anything, but you know, like, yeah, like you say, but it's not, it's, it's, it's not. not. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and I was, I was I was obviously massive. I was very I was surprised and massively impressed with the composure that he showed to score. But also, like he was actually a really smart forward play because first he shows that pace to get to the ball and the desire to get to the ball, which is something that we've questioned a bit, right? Like his desire to actually try as hard as he can, knowing that not knowing that with the likelihood that he's not going to be here next season, that he's not going to be an Arsenal player. You know, he sniffs that kind of opportunity. He, he puts the burners on, he, you know, gets to the ball first. And then the first touch is actually really smart because he puts, he basically puts himself in between Saar and the goal or Saar yeah. the ball. So Saar can't do anything. Um, yeah. He can't, he can't, you know, he knows if he takes him out, it's a red card. Um, so he just has to avoid him and avoid like uh, connecting with him or making any contact. And then, he get, he, yeah, he has the composure. He looks up, he has the composure to kind of pick his spot. Um, and puts it right in the corner, and it was it was a really really impressive goal. Um, and his first half performance, he looked, yeah, it was like it was almost like like a reborn kind of Eddie. I'd, you know, like I, we've always said about him, right? Because we've been talking about him for the last few years since he kind of broke through. But even before that, he was he's always been a goal scorer. Obviously, um, he's always got goals at kind of like the youth levels and under 23s and England under 21s. Um, England under 21s top, top scorer. scorer. Yeah. And he's got a great goal record. And obviously we, we, when he kind of made the step up to senior team and he didn't really cut it and he didn't really do it, we were sort of like, uh, maybe he's sort of found it. Maybe this is not his level. Like I, I was saying to you, uh, I was saying to the guys, you guys, um, when we're talking about Eddie after he did that podcast interview, you know, like, depending on where we finish this season, if we don't get Champions League, but we do get Europa League, he's, I would say he's actually a very, very good player to have in your squad because he's probably the perfect player to play all of your kind of first, first set of cup games, domestic cup games and play the first, you know, the Europa League group games or the, you know, the first six to eight Europa League games, because he probably will get you goals at that level of opposition. And the question mark was always around, what about in the games in the Premier League when he gets his chance? And I always feel like it is a bit difficult and is a bit unfair when you only get 10, 20 minutes. It's quite hard. Like, I don't know. I feel like it can be quite hard to almost just like come into a game and, and have that impact. Maybe I am being a bit kind of going a bit easy on him. Um, but yeah, like basically what, the point I'm trying to make is, you know, Chelsea away, huge game. We've just lost three on the bounce and he completely turned up. And yeah, that first half performance overall was was very, very good. I think he had a couple of other chances, one that he kind of fluffed um, and then one that he tried to bend in and it. I think it just missed the, the far post. Obviously, we didn't get to see any replays in the ground of, of, of those incidents, but he overall looked looked pretty dangerous. And obviously the second, like the second goal was an interesting one because I kind of feel like he, he, he cocked it up a little bit, to be honest. Like he got very, very lucky twice with um, like the ricochets basically off, I think it was Kante and, and Saar. And obviously the ball 
it's, it's a weird one because he like he turns he, he he turns really well then he sort of loses the ball and then the ball drops and i've and it and and it's on his left foot and i and i if you watch it back you'll i i if you're watching it back and you've imagine you've never watched it before, it's almost like it's there to be hit on his left. He doesn't hit it. And then it kind of like bobbles and ricochets again. And then the shot that he actually does take, it's like very, very instinctive. It's like, it's not at a point where you'd expect him to shoot. If that makes sense. So it completely catches, um, what's the Chelsea's keeper's name? Mendy. Mendy. It completely catches him off guard. Um, and um, it's really, again, really, really good forward play in terms of the finish and the in, the instinctiveness of the finish. Um, but yeah, man, like when you say talk about Eddie, right? Like obviously I've just sort of said, you know, I've kind of described the goals really rather than saying anything. I was, I was very, very impressed with his performance yesterday and I thought he did really, really well. Probably a little bit unlucky to come off um, on a hat trick, but, you know, team comes first and the result comes first. But um, like... Without again, we could talk about it for ages, right? I was interested to get your thoughts on does that change your um kind of like perception and thoughts around what we do with Eddie next season? And I guess there's always a caveat of it depends what competitions we're in next season. Yeah. Um so but it, yeah. it doesn't yet change my mind, mate, because I think at the end of the day, we also need to make sure we're not getting carried away here because you know, we had a great result. It was really good. Chelsea have been conceding a lot of goals every now and again, like recently. I think they conceded four at home to Brentford relatively recently, right? Um, Now, you know, you you haven't got, I I doubt people are there, Brentford fans are there thinking that they've got a team that's, you know, well beaters or whatever. Like, I I, I guess where I'm going with this is he had a magnificent game. He's in it. You know, it's not that he's had that much opportunity. Like we've been debating this for a while. Um, But, now I think he's. I think Arteta will definitely start him next next game. I think he, you know, has to. Right? There's probably a case for just continuously starting him. Um, you know, unless he really, really plays like really poorly. Um, and and then we'll see that. You know, if he if he's if he continuously plays well, if he carries on scoring goals, because if we're going to do anything half decent, if we're going to finish in the top four, for example, he's going to need to kind of score goals. And even if we're to finish kind of fifth or sixth, he's probably still going to need to score goals. So I think let's like evaluate it after that, I'd say. Um, uh, I mean, let, let, let's bring bring on to that, mate, because, you know, we we'd lost three on the bounce. And although we didn't record after Southampton, I think it's fair to say that we were all incredibly downbeat about our chances of getting in the top four after these three losses in a row. And, you know, you can't lose three games in a row at this at this part, point of the season and it not affects whatever you are trying to achieve. It doesn't matter where you are in the league. Mm. Um, but but <laughs> we didn't expect to beat Chelsea away. And on paper, Chelsea away is the hardest game that we've had in this kind of, that we, we were going to have in this run-in. And we have got some tricky games. Tottenham away is obviously tricky for all kinds of reasons. West Ham away is tricky for all kinds of reasons. But on paper, away at the European Champions is the, is the hardest game. Mm. And, um, and we've won. And we are level on points with Tottenham. We've got the same, played the same games. So it's all, it's all kind of, they're ahead of us on goal difference. Um, what it, what do you think? How do you feel now about our prospects of finishing in the top four? Yeah, I mean, like like you said, right before the game yesterday, I pretty much had written it off. Like it was kind of like a, you know, giving us a five or ten percent chance just purely because Tottenham might might capitulate worse than we might. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. the, the, so yeah, I didn't expect the result yesterday, um, and I think 
I think it, it's such a tough one, right? Because you don't want to get carried away. You don't want to get excited, but it's quite, it's hard. It's hard not to, because like you said, that, that on paper was our toughest game. We've got, um, we've got potentially, I don't know what the situation with Tommy Asu is. It sounds like he's almost like back in training. He's back in training. So hopefully he's back soon. Party, I think they're trying to get back before the end of the season. Um, you've now got Eddie and Ketia, who's um, just got a couple of goals and, and and hopefully that is something that could potentially be massive for us for the rest of the season. So there's a couple of things that have just like literally in the, in the space of the, the game yesterday or in the last couple of days that have uh, a, a massive positives to, to, to kind of focus on when it comes to our running. Um, I still feel like like it's so hard because you look at you look at the fixtures right and you basically cannot predict like you just can't predict mm-hmm. game by game like we we do it right we do it at the end of our podcast and generally we we I don't know how close we get but you know probably you know 50% right 50% wrong pretty much because like it's just so unpredictable no one would have said we'd lose those three games like how how have we come out of those three games with zero points and then like I think you tweeted it yesterday right and then gone and beaten the european champions in, champions in their own backyard so um i i math of it like i feel like i feel like we have an absolutely fantastic chance um and i i'm 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 a lot more positive than what i was 24 hours ago or not 24 hours ago but you know before the game yesterday obviously um i'm very very interested to see what happens on saturday against united because if we beat United, and I know it's a massive if and everything, but if we beat United, like we're three points clear of them now with the game in hand. So that becomes six points and they'll only have four games left. Yeah. So you're kind of, you're like, you're, 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 I mean, United, you know, if United lose, if we, if you put it like this, United lose again and we've got a six point buffer on them and they've only got four games left to catch that up. Like that is a tough ask. That is a very tough ask. No matter what fixtures we've got, um, you know, they're bang out of form at the moment and like half of their players are pretty much on holiday. I think um, Ralph's on holiday, like, you know, yeah. so, um, so that would, that in itself in terms of a result and the three points would be massive. Obviously we need the three points, but that almost like eliminate, you know, it doesn't, but it almost eliminates United from the equation. You. Right. And then it becomes almost like a straight shoot off between us and Tottenham. And then the pressure, and also because we play first, I mean, if we're just looking at this weekend's games, you know, then because we're playing first, then the pressure goes to Tottenham again. I think they're away at Brentford and Brentford are flying mm-hmm. at the moment. I think they're like second or third in the form table. Um, mm-hmm. That's not an easy game for them. So, you know, yeah, like I, I'm kind of quietly confident, or even though we're talking about it openly, I'm, I'm quietly confident that it's definitely back on and it's obviously in our hands because we go to Spurs. Um, but, you know, if it, cu- it there's a very good chance that it's going to come down to that, like that Spurs game is going to be the it's thing. True. And I mean, who knows? Like, who? You, how do you, you just, you just don't know, like, you know, you just don't know, right? Like with with a game like that, you North don't. London derby and Kane always scores against us. But then again, we have, you know, like it's just who knows. So um, yeah. I'm kind of focused on the United game and I'm very much looking forward to hopefully like abs- like beating them. It'd be huge. It'd be huge if we can. Be yeah, and let's get into the United game probably in a second. I think one thing I wanted to add to, to your thing is something that we discussed on this podcast quite often um, in the last few weeks, which is around um, narratives and it's around what, 
what clubs have to play for, which is what makes the remaining fixtures so difficult yeah. to analyse. Because you could probably say, you know, on the face of it, going away to Chelsea is extremely hard. Is going away to Chelsea as hard when they've just been knocked out of the Champions League? They know they can't finish above, you know, second or whatever. Uh, sorry, you know, they know that, you know, third is probably the max they can get. You know, all, all those things factor in to, you know, h- how you're going to play a team. And so when you look at the rest of the, you know, fixtures, when you look at stuff like on the face of it, Spurs have got Burnley at home, second last game of the season or whatever. Mm. But what if that's the game that could keep Burnley up? Mm. Right. You know, and all those little things, you know, when we play West Ham, how is it that when we play West Ham in, in correlation to their kind of Europa games and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it makes it really, really hard. Mm. Um, and that will bring me on nicely, I think, to the United game, right? So so there, there's all this kind of crazy stuff going on at United right now, right? They've just announced today that Ten Hag will take over as manager in the summer. Yeah. They've just announced that. That comes a few days after their last... The last game, which they played, and who did they play? They lost um, Liverpool. Liverpool. Um, They understandably lost to Liverpool. uh, And Ten Hag said words to the effect after that game of, and continuing a trend, sorry, not Ten Hag, Ragnick said, you know, and continuing a trend of what Ragnick has said in recent weeks, Mm. he's basically sort of increased the number of players that he's sort of indicating might leave and they might sign. And he sort of said words to the effect of, yeah, in the summer we might sign six, seven, ten players. And, 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 you know, I think the thing that he keeps on saying, you know, the, what I'm hearing every week is he's basically saying, well, these players are crap. Like, and we're doing a complete overhaul in the summer. Like, I don't, I don't, tr- if you're saying you're going to sign 10 players, that basically means you're going to sell a lot of players. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And maybe there are some players in that squad who are going, do you know what? I want to be part of this revolution. So I'm going to play so hard to make sure I'm not one of those players that go, but to be honest, like I feel the way that he's kind of been communicating and the messaging and what I see from Man United on the pitch, it's almost like you've got a bunch of players who are just really demotivated and just feel like, you know, they're just maybe they feel like they're unloved by the by the new era mm. or that, that might be incoming. I don't know what it is, um, but there's certainly a narrative there. What might not be helpful is now they've named their new manager. Is there going to be a players going, right, he's watching now? I better, I better, you know, make a good impression. Mm. I mean, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, on that last point, I don't know, like, it's, you know, these days, I say these days, like I'm, I'm really old, but, you know, like these days, the news about 10, you know, news about Ten Hag broke weeks ago, right? And and Fabrizio yeah. was tweeting about it. So you would like, you would think that the players probably knew, even if it's like unofficially, um, and, and, and you can't, you know, it's almost like if you're going from the Liverpool game that they just played to playing us, and you're, and you're sort of saying, will there be a like an uplift in performance because of that manager confirmation or announcement? But Liverpool for them is like, it's like Spurs for us. You know, it's like huge. And there were a couple of like Mancunians playing in that game, like Rashford, Lingard, and they were two of the worst players on the pitch who just showed, you know, just as little as pretty much all the other United players. So um, I don't really, yeah, I don't really buy that. I'm not really sure that that comes into it as such. I think, I think... I don't know. There's always this thing about United where like, obviously we lost them earlier in the season. Right. Um, and that was like a really frustrating loss. And obviously we lost like to a Ronaldo penalty and it's kind of like, I get, there's, yeah, there's always this thing about United where even where they're potentially not, you know, they've not been particularly great over the last few seasons, neither have we arguably, 
but it feels like every time we play them, like we should beat them. We should get result. And we always seem to disappoint for whatever reason, like something happens in the match or whatever. Um, and like, I guess I don't know what's, if Ronaldo is going to be back or not, but I, I, you know, just as kind of, if you're, if you're one of the other players in that United team, you're basically, you know, looking at Ronaldo every game to like bail, bail they, and he is bailing them out. And then they find out he's obviously not starting um, against Liverpool. And, and and I think it's all probably, they're probably, mentality is probably quite like defeatist. I could imagine for the rest of those players, it'd be like, they're, they're probably thinking like, well, like Liverpool are ridiculously good and we don't even, and we, now we don't have Ronaldo, like how the hell are we going to win this game? And and that sh- kind of showed in the effort they put in and the performance they put in. If Ronaldo's back, that is, you know, obviously he's a quality player, world-class player, um, can win a game on his own. But the boost that that might give to the other players that are going to be playing, the, the, the other United players, that is a little bit of a concern. Um, and we just don't, like, I guess we don't know, right, what's happening with Ronaldo. So, um yeah, that's that's a bit of a concern, but like I I think if we like our performances, even in the games that the Palace performance was pretty bad, um, I didn't really catch much of the Brighton game. If I'm being honest, um, I know that that wasn't great. The performance against against Southampton wasn't all that bad. Like, yeah, we dominated, we had lots of shots, and obviously the Chelsea game just now. I think I feel like if we can kind of continue a bit of a trend with good before a good performance on Saturday, um. I don't. I see no reason why we can we can't beat them. But I think we always say this when we're like about to play United. It's like there's no reason why we can't beat them. We're probably a better team than them, um, yeah. and um, you know it's not like they're in particularly good form. But let, this is what this is the thing I said to you guys a few weeks ago when we were talking about the top four race. It's like they've got match winners. Like they've got like yeah. you know um, Sancho could just turn up. You know, he hasn't had a fantastic season, but he could just turn up and he could win the game. Ronaldo could win the game. Rashford could, you know, potentially win the game. Or, you know, and there's other players like that. Cavani, or Cavani's not fit, but, you know, they've got these match winners in their squad. So that's kind of like my concern. Um, Yeah, I don't know. How how are you feeling? Well, um, I guess, do you know what? I I might actually just kick off with my prediction on this, right? And then explain why. Um, Like, I think we'll win. And I think we'll win. Um, there's two. I think two main reasons why I think we'll win. One, I think if you look across our results this season, I'm sure someone can correct me on this, but it, from memory, it feels like we're quite a form team in terms of we very rarely win a game randomly and then go back to losing or go back to drawing. It feels like when we when we win a game, we generally have put a run together because you know maybe it's because the guys are pretty young and 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 I don't know there's just a lot of that confidence that buoyancy that you know that feeling um there's going to be a lot of adrenaline that came off the back uh you know of the Chelsea game and I know there's always the chance that you know there's a come down for that but I feel that the games are so close that actually in some ways that probably serves us quite well because that adrenaline may just genuinely keep running like that kind of you know just just the momentum, et cetera. And I think the other thing is, the other reason I think we'll win is, I think that United's players right now, partly because of the confidence thing, but it feels like whenever I've watched them away from home, they've they've sort of let the, they've let, they've become, I'm not going to say overwhelmed, but it feels like if the opposition crowd are making a real good atmosphere and really getting behind their own, you know, their home team, United are that extra step slow, that extra step not really bothered. And 
and I really feel the Emirates are going to be rocking. I feel the Emirates are going to be rocking on Saturday. Yeah. After what after this game, I think it's going to be absolutely electric. And I really don't think Man United will like that. I agree with you about match winners, and I agree with you that if Ronaldo plays, I think it adds a you know it it, it is a concern. If he doesn't play, I think Man United have got problems. Um, but at, you know, at the same time, like I, I feel like if Saka, for example, plays like he did against Chelsea. It doesn't matter who Man United play at left back. Mm. It won't matter who they play at left back. And if ESI is going to continue the kind of form that he was the other day, you know, he's going to cause some problems. I don't know if we'll play Martinelli. I don't know what you know what it's going to be. And Eddie, if he keeps on, uh, Man United aren't good defensively. They're they're absolutely terrible. And so, you know, I've been fairly kind of pessimistic. I think at times in in predictions. And I know a lot of people are saying Man United are the sort of team that, you know, this or this season's the sort of season where such random things happen that maybe Man United could win. I just don't see it, like, to be honest. Um, maybe these words are going to come back to haunt me, but I do feel that we're going to win. Um, and I think it could be like a 3-1 game to Arsenal. Yeah. Right. Okay. What about you? Yeah, so I was, my prediction, prediction was going to be even more kind of outlandish. I was actually... I was thinking about this earlier. I was, I, so I was, I was going to go with four nil um, or four, four one. <laughs> so basically I think, I think we'll absolutely blitz, I blitz them. I, I feel like it. Yeah. So I pretty much agree with everything you've said. Um, and I think we're going to come out like we, we haven't really been starting games great in general uh, recently. And I don't, I, I don't know. Uh, like, I don't feel like we very, we, we don't seem to very, uh, sorry. We, we don't often um, like, yeah, come out of the traps um and score an early goal and then get another early goal and and kind of almost put the game to bed i feel like that's what's going to happen i'm kind of basing this just on what i'm hoping to happen as well but i feel like that is what's going to happen on on saturday where i think we're gonna we're gonna come out and arteta must be saying to them like look these guys you saw what liverpool done to them obviously we're not liverpool but you know they're, they're they're almost like if you can get an early goal you can see the, the like yeah like we were saying before right they're not really playing for the shirt anymore a lot of these players know that they haven't really got a future at United or are not expected to have a future at United their heads might drop and then they might just be there for the taking and I'm kind of hoping that's how they come out from minute one and I can see us getting a couple of early goals and yeah I think I think I think that could lead to like a quite a quite a big scoreline and a pretty big and a big and and, and um, you know good good win for us and I think like you say yeah like Saka's like probably the kind of occasion that these some of these young, young players are, are going to relish like they've really fed off the crowd this season and and as you say the crowd that the ground should be should be should be you know rocking rocking for saturday um on saturday and i think you know saka smith if he starts erdegaard they're gonna they're gonna really relish the the atmosphere and yeah i'm going for a big big win big ass win i'll go four one don't well. Yeah. Well, we think they're going to score. Yeah. <laughs> we, the bit that we agree on, we think they'll get they'll get a goal. Do you see it as a consolation goal or like, like a Ronaldo? You know, so some, or, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Not. Yeah. Yeah. I think. I think it will be like two, three, well, like three or four up. I mean, like, this is a very like out there prediction. So it's, you know, yeah. Hopefully, this doesn't get like clipped up and shared after Saturday. Like egg on my face, but yeah. I don't think we're, I don't think we're big enough for people to do that yet. Um, but but any, anyway, look, um, look, I think we'll call it we'll, we'll call it there. Like you know, honestly, um, I'm still buzzing after the Chelsea win. Uh, it was just and and I think one thing I'd like to sort of, sort of say about that is yeah, you know, sometimes in a season, 
it's really tiring sometimes to spend so much energy thinking about whether you like the manager or not, whether you like the players or not, whether we're going to make top four or not, whether we're going to buy this player or not. Like it, that whole thing gets really tiring. And I think sometimes it doesn't really matter who your manager is, where you are in the league. It's kind of about moments. And, you know, that Chelsea game yesterday, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter what how this season ends. I think I'll always remember being part of a game like that. It's similar to the, you know, it's similar to when we beat Leicester, I think, you know, in the last kick of the game, like I'll always remember that game, you know, despite the fact that we never won the league that season, I'll, I'll always remember that game, you know, and some other games like that. And, you know, it's just a such a joy to be there. Very, very lucky to be there. Um, and I think, yeah, if there's, if there's, you, you, again, it's for the moment sometimes. That's what being a fan is all about, really, isn't it? Absolutely, man. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't want to, you know, yeah, drag drag out the end of the podcast. But yeah, I completely agree. Like, you know, we, we've been, we've been pretty lucky, right, as Arsenal fans um, over the over the years. Like, we kind of, I think me and you missed that, missed the, the kind of golden generation of, like, 90, well, basically when Wenger arrived to, arrived to you know, when we, when we essentially left Highbury. Um, yeah. and, and we started going when we were able to, when we were old enough and probably could afford it um, after we moved to the Emirates and we could start getting tickets. And uh, despite that, there's still been some like amazing, like you say, some amazing moments and not even just necessarily matches, but moments and goals and experiences and, you know, like cup finals and wins against Tottenham and, you know, wins again, wins in other big games and European aways, all that kind of stuff that we've been able to do. So yeah, absolutely. You just got, you just got, yeah. Sometimes you've got, to, you've got to step away from like Twitter and social media and, 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 um, a lot of people talking a lot of nonsense and just, just, yeah, let's just enjoy it. Right. Yeah. That's what we're paying our money for. Support our team. Enjoy it while we can. Enjoy it. We will. And then we will do our best to enjoy Saturday. Hopefully it's going to be a win. Um, and cause it's an early kickoff. If we do win, it will make the afternoon of drinking so much more fun. Uh, I know that, uh, you've got plans on, got, so I've you can't got, get too drunk. I can, yeah. but yeah, I might not, yeah. I might not, might not right. get in. Like, my, Mrs. Might uh, not let, not let, <laughs> not let me in. Yeah, no, but yeah, no, I'll definitely have a couple, win or lose, but yes, looking forward Excellent. to So look, everyone, thank you for tuning in. Thank you so much. Please, uh, I should have said this at the start, <laughs> I always forget, but please, please like and share and subscribe, whatever, you know, format that you prefer. Um, you know, we're on pretty much everything. Uh, so, you know, we really appreciate the support. And um, and yeah, look, enjoy the end of your week. We hope you're all still buzzing after the victory against Chelsea. Um, and hopefully we get a win against United and the top four race will still be alive. Fingers crossed. Cool. Good night all. Well, it's good night for us at the moment. Depends on what time you listen to this, obviously. Um, take it easy. See you later, Mice. See you.